listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. On our last episode, we were talking about those myths of marriage that can get us into trouble. And the big overarching myth that we were talking about last week or last episode is that we should always feel this deep connection and and this deep passion for the other person, and that the compatibility is that we're always on the same page, that you have found the one. This week, I want to talk about another five different myths of relationships, of myths of marriage that get couples into trouble. And the first one is around conflict. You learned some lessons about conflict from your family growing up. You might have been in a family that always had conflict, that their basic way of communicating with each other is conflict. You may have also grown up in a family where there was zero conflict, that everybody avoided having any conflict because that was so scary. You might have been fortunate to have been born into a family where conflict was part of daily life only when necessary. And it's a, it was a balance point. You know, the conflict kind of was there when it was needed, but it wasn't always there, nor was it ever present. In all of those situations, one fact is often lost, and that is that conflict should always be moving us towards progress. So the myth, the first myth, is that always fighting or never fighting is okay. There are two different myths. Some people believe that always fighting with your spouse is just okay. It's just normal. Then there are others who believe that never fighting is the way it should be, and that's okay. And in both cases, there is a problem. First, when there is always fighting, what most people tend to miss is the fact that constant conflict eats away at the connection. It's just kind of like the acid at the base of some base of some structure that just keeps eating away. It's kind of like the erosion that happens. You know, if you you build a sandcastle at the beach and then the water runs up and it begins to erode away the base until the whole castle falls down. Think of that water as the conflict. It's slowly beating, taking away and washing away the connection between you until it falls apart. The problem is never fighting can do the same thing. Because that erosion this time is the resentment that's left from unsettled, unfinished problems. And so the erosion that's eating away is a lack of finishing up those issues that are there. Because the fact is that if you are in an intimate relationship with someone, you're not going to see eye to eye. That's just normal. That's the truth, that we're not going to see eye to eye. And so when that's not the case, we don't know what to do with conflict. So the myth is that you should always or never be fighting. Always fighting is okay or never fighting is okay. Both are major myths, kind of mirror imaging of of the myth that deals with conflict in a marriage. The fact is that conflict is going to be an intimate relationship. And the question is whether you're committed to making progress with the conflict If you're not moving forward towards something better, the conflict serves no purpose other than to divide you and to hurt you, either with resentment or the conflict itself. The second one, the second myth today, is that a marriage can't survive an affair. 
So let's talk a little bit about this affair. Many marriages are affected by affairs, and a lot of people believe that they could never recover from an affair. Having been a therapist for coming up on three decades now, I can tell you I've watched many, many relationships get beyond an affair. In fact, many have gotten to a better place after the affair than they were before the affair. First, understand what an affair is about. Connection is the lifeblood of a relationship. And affairs happen when two things happen, kind of hit at a, at a critical juncture. First is a lack of connection. We humans have a biological need for that connection. We have a need to feel that connection. And if we can't find it somewhere else, subconsciously, we begin to look. We begin to try to find it somewhere that's going to feed that need. And so if it's not happening in the relationship where it ought to be happening in the marriage, there tends to be kind of a a creeping need to find it somewhere else. Now, connection, as I talked about in one of the myths last time, is something that ebbs and flows in any relationship, which means that we have to put some protection around the relationship to keep it safe. We call those boundaries. The boundaries is how you say, this can't get close enough to be a risk for our relationship. I'm not going to be close enough to somebody else that that I might get too close because when there's not enough connection, you suddenly have a vulnerability that has to be covered by that boundary. So those two pieces together create the, the danger point that can lead to an affair, a lack of connection in the marriage and a lack of boundaries to protect the marriage. So part of what happens when people discover that there's been an infidelity is they realize that often realize that there has not been the connection that needs to be there. It's kind of a, a, a big warning flag. It's kind of a last minute warning flag that it just hasn't been there. And a couple can make a decision to work on their connection and build back from there and create the boundaries around it that might never have been there before. When they do that, they create a marriage that is a fair proof and can be stronger than it was before the affair. Which brings us to a third myth, which is you can't forgive until there's an apology. So many times I work with people who tell me that they refuse to forgive their spouse because their spouse has not asked for an apology, which is a complete misunderstanding of what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is allowing an individual to be released from the pain from the past the individual that was hurt, not the person who committed it. So if I forgive somebody, I'm doing that so I regain my sense of power, my sense of, uh, of control, my sense of, of health, not them. So a lot of times people are waiting for a spouse to apologize, not realizing that they can decide to forgive on their own so that they are released from that. Now that said, apologies can be helpful in mending the fence between kind of rebuilding the bridge between the couple, but it's not the beginning point of forgiveness. The beginning point of forgiveness is when the person who has has felt injured decides that they are going to forgive. So this myth that you have to wait leaves you in a waiting game. Had someone who said, you know what? My spouse has not apologized for something they did 20 years ago, and I can't move beyond it until they do. And my response is, you can move beyond it whenever you choose to. And the question is, What keeps you holding on to that? 
What do you get out of not forgiving? Because forgiveness is for the person forgiving primarily. Secondarily, it could help the relationship. Too many marriages have too much baggage because somebody refuses to apologize or to forgive until there's an apology. I believe that in daily life, in connected life, there is going to be hurts and pains along the way. And one of the things we can do is decide that when those hurts and pains that happen, those daily little hurts come, we're going to forgive along the way, not build them up and, and, and keep tally of them, but release them as we can along the way so that we get to a healthier place of relating to each other through a forgiveness process. You don't have to wait for a spouse to apologize. You can begin the forgiveness process just simply by saying, you know what, I'm going to work to forgive that. Oh, and by the way, you don't even have to tell them you're doing that. Which brings us to myth number four. Myth number four is we'll get back to the marriage after fill in the blank. This is a big one I see these days. I call it the, the pause button marriage. Pause button marriage happens because a couple um, who maybe were really close in the beginning hit the pause button in order to raise the kids, have a career, follow uh, an, an activity, uh, kind of maybe build, build a house or, or do something. You know, they're, they're after some external thing out there that has to happen. Often it's around the kids being raised. So they believe they hit pause. And what they don't know is there is one truth about marriage, and that is it is either growing or it's receding. That's true about any relationship, and it's true about individuals. We're either growing or receding. There's no static. There's no pause. There's no you know, even point. Whatever is happening, we're either moving towards something better or we're receding towards less. We're moving towards more connection or we're receding towards disconnection. So when we hit the pause button, we get all busy with those other pieces and we might do a great job of parenting and we might even do a great job of parenting together. We might do a great job of following a career, getting further education, building a bank account, building a home, following our hobbies, having great friends, doing crazy great things in the world and forget that along the way, the marriage is slowly in decline. We don't notice it because we keep ourselves busy with those other pieces. Until we go back to unpause the relationship, until we go back expecting that we're just going to unpause, step back into the relationship, pick up where we left off, and move on forward. This often happens when our kids either get old enough that they don't need us anymore or they get old enough that they're out of the house. You know, we are empty nest. And my wife and I have been at that point now for a couple of years and, and it was an adjustment, but it was a nice adjustment to get back to each other. What often happens, though, if a couple has been thoroughly disconnected in the process because they hit that pause button is they get back to each other and they don't know each other anymore. They've changed along the way. We're always changing along the way. And so as they've changed along the way, they no longer recognize each other. They've changed a lot of those pieces in the puzzle that they didn't know were, were there. Their personalities might have changed a little bit. Their interests, their priorities, their dreams, their expectations and hopes. All of those have changed along the way, but they didn't keep each other updated because they had paused the relationship. And in the process, instead of pausing it, they put their relationship in decline. So this myth is we'll get back to our marriage after and you fill in the blank for wherever you've hit the pause button 
recognize that there is no pause for a marriage. Which brings us to our last myth, which is once a marriage is broken, it's over. I've heard so many people say that. You know, there's nothing we can do now. Once it's hurt, it's hurt. You know, once we're disconnected, we're disconnected. There's nothing we can do. The fact is that every day I work with couples who are walking through disconnection. They're walking through the painful times. And they're rediscovering each other. Not only are they rediscovering each other, but they're rediscovering the fact that there is an interesting person on the other side there. And they begin to rebuild the connection. They begin to work on changing themselves. And what they discover is that marriages are not machines. You know, sometimes you break a machine and it's just done, and especially in today's world. If you've had a laptop lately, you, know, you used to be able to work on a computer and pull a part out. Now you take a laptop in and they say, well, you might as well buy a new one because we can't fix this piece of it. We kind of act like marriage is a computer, that it can't just be fixed. You know, sometimes I'll have some device that I take in and I go, yeah, it's all one piece. We, we just can't fix it. It's just not going to be worth it. You just have to trash it. And a lot of people act as if marriage is that way. I would like you to think of marriage being much more organic, more like a tree in your backyard. Big storm comes and it breaks a limb, but that tree can keep on growing. The next year, that tree can grow another limb along the way can replace it, and the foliage can be just as pretty the next year, maybe even prettier. We're more organic. We're more like when you cut your arm. If you give it time, it'll heal. If you nurse it along and take care of it, it'll heal because that's what relationships are. They're organic. They're not machines. They can heal. In fact, that's what I've spent my career doing, watching couples discover that the break they thought was there was really a bruise or maybe even a contusion, maybe even an infection, but it could be cured, it could be healed if they began to focus on the core elements, if they began to connect with each other again, if they began to grow again as individuals, if they began to recognize the path they need to be on. And when that happens, they discover that all of the other pieces, all the myths that we talked about begin to fall in place because it comes from a different frame. When you work from a level of commitment and connection and change, the magic can happen in your relationship even though it has felt dead for a long time. That's the big truth of this, that marriages can be healed and you can be a part of that process. Your marriage can be healed. This is why I created the Save the Marriage System. I would love it if you would grab my Save This Marriage system. If you haven't, if you've already got my system, you can just hit stop now and go on to another podcast. But if you haven't, please, please take note. The Save the Marriage system is designed to help you understand what a marriage could and should be and to give you the steps along the way. As part of that, I throw in the pieces that can help get you there even faster. I have coaches who will work with you, just complimentary sessions, just a get-you-started session that I offer to everyone. We try to get to everyone, but at least everyone in the U.S. We give you that, set, that one short session just to make sure that you've got the resources you need to get moving. Not only that, if you sign up in the process, I'll give you a free week of my VIP program, the virtual coaching program. We have lots of tools and lots of training, lots of resources where you can even ask a question and get it answered by me or one of my coaches. And that's for free because we're trying to stack it in your favor. 
give you a quick start guide so you can figure out where you are and figure out your plan. I'll give you my basic system of what a marriage is about and how to build to there. I'll tell you how to even deal with that in a down and dirty kind of way if your spouse isn't really interested. I'll also tell you the truth about affairs, the truth about midlife crisis, some facts about how to fight fairly. I'll give you even a story about a couple that did what we were talking about, save their relationship. All you have to do to grab that is go to savethemarriage.com, savethemarriage.com. When you get on that page, right at the top, it says a guide to saving your marriage. Just click it and get started saving your marriage so that you bust the myths that I've been talking about these past two podcast episodes. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.